the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Longtime listeners amongst us may remember that uh, some time ago, my uh, co-host, our super producer, Casey Pegram, uh, and I decided that we were going to, hell or high water, do one episode for every state in the U.S. And we're sticking to our guns, or attempting to. We're not going to Sufjan Stevens this, right? No, you say that every time, Ben. (laughs) Right. I know. I just want him to make the other, what, 48 albums? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think he ever intended to do any of that. And plus, you know, to be fair, doing a 30-minute podcast on a state is a lot different than doing like a, you know, an album. So let's give Sufjan a break. You're right, Nolan. Perhaps it depends on how much work goes into an album, right? His his records are quite Baroque. (laughs) Yes, he's going for Baroque every time. So... Today's episode is a little bit of a weird one. We are talking about an origin story, but not so much an origin story of a state as an origin story of a state's name. Yeah, it's the old what's in a name. Turns out quite a lot and a lot of disagreement and a lot of uh, of fraudulent claims and all kinds of stuff. This is, you know, on the surface, seems like it could be a dry episode. Not the case, my friend, not the case. Quite juicy, yeah. And there's a bit of a mystery here as well. And I guess one of the best ways for us to start off today's episode is just by acknowledging Uh, something that is an unspoken truth here in the U.S. State names are weird. They feel relatively arbitrary at times, and there's not a ton of cohesive, coherent logic or uniformity involved, right? That's true. You've got, like, New York, right? That makes sense. There was another York somewhere, and this is the new one, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Clearly the better York. (laughs) It's clearly, it's definitely the, the latest model. There's no new New York, but then there are states like Mississippi. There are states like Hawaii. There are states like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about this? The states that are named in relation to other states, North Dakota, South Dakota. Seems like a cop out to me. There's no just Dakota. No. Yeah. 
North, exactly. North Carolina, South Carolina. Yeah, Carolina, I believe, was named after a monarch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, oddly enough, Virginia and West Virginia. There's no East Virginia. Also true. That's weird. They could. It's it's a weird thing. Well, because as it turns out, most of these state names were uh, done by committee. So as <laughs> what, as typically happens when things are done by committee, you end up with something convoluted that no one really likes that much, but people kind of settle on. Oh yeah, like uh, in the 1996 Olympics here in Atlanta, Georgia. Talking with a creepy mascot. mascot? Yeah. What was that guy's name? What's it? Izzy. Izzy. Thank you. So <laughs> yeah, he sort of looks like a weird little. Like a, he's like a, a blue drop. He's a blue, like exactly like a blue droplet of water with like Saturn rings around him and big tennis shoes. They're the Olympic rings. Ah, I'm sorry, excuse me. Of course they are. How could I be so foolish? <laughs> but that's the point. Yeah. It was so random looking. You know, they didn't even read that way to me. Yeah, it was just uh, it was guided by committee, probably some overpriced. Market agency. Survey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So someone's like, he's got to have his shoes. He's got to have the rings somewhere. And he's got to be a weird little water droplet alien guy. Because people wear shoes, they get thirsty, and we're at the Olympics. And they love aliens. <laughs> they love aliens. Izzy, that was his name, huh? I forgot that completely. Turns out it's short for Israel. Is it? No. Izzy it. But that is our, <laughs> uh, our wonderful IT guy yeah. here at How Stuff Works goes by Izzy, which is short for Israel. Yes, that is true. I uh, I, I call I, – the name I use with Iz depends upon the uh, severity or immediacy of the request. Yes. So it's, it's Iz if we're just hanging out. It's Izzy if we're hanging out outside of work. And it's Israel if it's like – in an email, yeah. other people are reading. He got to escalate it. Yeah, he and I both have to be grown-ups. Mm-hmm. So the name Idaho that fits in, right, in, in this weird motley crew of various – 50 various names that came about for various reasons. That's right. Often, as you said, by committee. But unlike many other states, it's difficult for us to figure out exactly what the name means. We're telling you the truth, folks. Here in 2019, one of the most intriguing mysteries of Idaho history is the origin and meaning of the name, the name of the state in which you might be listening to this episode right now. So, Noel, have you ever been to Idaho? No, I haven't been. And you know what? Um, mm. This is I'm going to put it out there right now. In my mind, I sometimes confuse it with Ohio, because of the name. And I know they are geographically, couldn't be less related. Um, I am not good at geography, though, my friends. I am here to tell you that right now. So, Ben, give us the scoop on the geography of Idaho. Sure. So, Idaho is bordered on the to the west by Washington and Oregon. Uh, to the east, Montana, Wyoming, and Nevada and Utah to the south. And then at the very small attenuated top of the state, boom, it runs straight into Canada. I've heard of that. Yes, yes. Uh, Casey, Casey Pegram, super producer Casey Pegram, have you ever been to Idaho? No, my only, I was just thinking about this, my only like association with Idaho in general is a early built to spill song called Twin Falls, Idaho. Oh, wow. Oh, and then there's yeah. also My Own Private Idaho. Yeah, yeah, the Gus by, Van Sant movie. Well, but yeah. I think it was actually a b 52 song first. Ah, okay, mm-hmm. okay. It's like, you're living in your own private Idaho. <laughs> yeah. And the, yeah, the build spell is like, Christmas, Twin Falls, Idaho. It's a pretty sad song, actually. Casey on the case. Yeah, that was a great deep cut, too. I am a built-to-spill fan myself. 
Yeah, I have not as of yet traveled to Idaho that I can recall. I know it sounds sketchy, but yeah, yeah, I'm 70% sure I haven't been there. But the past is a watercolor in the rain, you know, things blur. Which brings us back around to the speculation about Idaho's name, even though it seems like it would fit in, you know, it it sounds similar to many other states, right? Uh, it turns out that we have relatively little idea of where the name Idaho came from. We have some theories. We have some theories, and uh, the biggest, most lasting theory revolves around a uh, kooky mining lobbyist by the name of George M. Willing. Um, It is put forth in the record uh, that he suggested the name Idaho and said that it was a Native American word that meant the gem of the mountains. And this was actually uh, surrounding the naming of what is now Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a whole saga that kind of gets this, this, this name gets sort of kicked around a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the background of George Maurice Willing Jr., known as Doc to his friends. He was born sometime around 1829 to a very well-off family in Philadelphia. He was educated as a physician, but he got in trouble. He got disgraced uh, because he was discovered performing um, performing abortions. Right. That is true. This I did not know. And so in the early 1850s, he moves to California to escape potential legal complications. And by the late 1850s, he's resettled to St. Louis, Missouri. He becomes part of the Pikes Peak Gold Rush in 1859. He was described as a man of many interests, a good geologist, a polished gentleman. He became a candidate for the Jefferson Territory delegation in October of 1859. He lost the election, but he still, despite losing the election, check this out, he just goes to D.C. anyway Mm -hmm. and becomes a lobbyist. And then while he's working as a delegate, at least according to the story, he's the one associated most strongly with the name Idaho. Yeah. And this would have been in the earliest days of lobbying, wouldn't it have been? I, I imagine it was nothing like it is today. Right. You know, it was nowhere near as closely regulated. You know what I mean? So it's suggested by Willing and some other people early in 1860 as an alternative name for the territory that finally became known as Colorado. And as you said, Noel, it was represented as being a term meaning gem of the mountains, which some people loved. That's true, but it didn't fly um, at that particular time, and a little time went by, and Idaho was not forgotten because it just had a certain, I don't know, a certain mouthfeel to it. Right, Ben? Yeah, and let's also consider that Willing, again, we can't overemphasize this, isn't really supposed to be there. The, The miners aren't even supposed to have a delegate, but people are becoming increasing fans of this phrase or this buzzword or this term in the halls of D.C. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. 
you name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. There's a guy named Williams who has um, interactions with both political groups in these different mining camps, and he's really digging the name Idaho. and. Some, something important is happening at this point, too. The 1860 election's out of the way. Lincoln is president, and there's this blockade that has existed against creating new territories, right? And this, this blockade begins to clear. So while the southern states are uh, ramping up towards secession, there's an Idaho bill for the Pikes Peak Mines that was printed by the House on December 18, 1860, and at this is where it gets a little complicated. This Williams guy uh, pushes, lobbies Congress to alter a Colorado territorial bill that they've been sitting on for months and to change the name of that territory from Colorado to Idaho. And then when this happened, when this came up and this new name was proposed in the Senate, a senator from Oregon objected. And then another guy says, 
James Green, Senator James Green says, Idaho is a very good name in the Indian language. You know, it means gem of the mountains. And this guy from Oregon says, no, 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 no. Quote, I do not believe it is an Indian word. It is a corruption. No Indian tribe in this nation has that word, in my opinion. It is a corruption, certainly a counterfeit, and ought not to be adopted. And let's remember, too, that the state's... I don't know, hopefully, hopefully I'm not like overly simplifying this. It's yeah. something I, I, I have a tendency to do sometimes. But um, the states would begin their lives as territories when enough miners would come in and they realized there were enough natural resources there to justify a colony of miners. And then as more and more people came and more and more infrastructure was created, the population would boom enough to justify uh, calling it a state or there would be a whole other series of discussions would form around, okay, now it's going to transfer from being a colony, uh, a territory, to actually being a proper state and having a name. Yeah, yeah. And we know we know that, especially in this period of history, or at least more so than in the modern day, groups of people would get together and pitch ideas for states. Like in our previous episode about U.S. states that never actually happened, there are so many um, conversations throughout the U.S. historical record about people trying to make the name of a state or create their own state when someone else is claiming the same land. The thing that happens, though, is that the Senate, at first, they approve this change. They say, okay, we'll change it from Colorado to Idaho because Williams really wants it that way. But Williams gets suspicious. You know, he's like, this Senator Lane is from Oregon, right? He's on the West Coast. He is probably fairly well acquainted with the languages of indigenous people at the time. And he seems very certain this is not a real word. So he looks into the matter and that's when he finds out that Idaho is not a word or it's not a, it's not an existing word in an existing language. But Williams um, was largely ignored in the first place too, because he was like the vice presidential candidate of the uh, pro-slavery wing of the Democratic Party, which was not a good look. So he was kind of, you know, just say, hey, get this guy out of here, you know? So they may have been just making fun of him, right? (laughs) In the beginning. So this is when he learns that George M. Willing or one of his supporters had just invented the word along with the notion of its definition uh, about a year before. And so Williams hunts up uh, another senator, an eastern senator, a guy named Henry Wilson of Massachusetts, and he says, will you please change the name back to Colorado? And on February 4th, 1861, the Senate says, okay, we'll change it to Colorado. And before the House did anything about its Idaho bill, the Colorado bill passed in the Senate. And then the representatives passed the Colorado bill, and so the House bill never was acted on, and the name Idaho received no further consideration for Colorado, which became a territory on February 28, 1861. But the thing was, sort of in a Pandora's box kind of situation, people like the word. People in what will become Idaho or in that territory are digging it. It's already a popular phrase in the Rockies and in the Pacific Northwest. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you ever heard this. Are you familiar with the ice cream franchise Haagen-Dazs? Of course. So Haagen-Dazs is a made-up word. No. Yeah. Really? Yes. They just wanted something that sounded like vaguely Scandinavian. So it would be a little more classy. And Idaho is kind of like this. People are swearing to one another up and down that it is 
a word from a language of native people who have lived in this area of the world. So like you said, Ben, um, to that point, this word, Idaho, was already out of the box. It was floating around. It was in the zeitgeist, and people thought it sounded nice, you know, because of the mouthfeel. And it's just Indian-soundingness. So in December of 1861, there was a uh, territorial legislature of Washington, and it created Idaho County. Um, and that, you know, as we mentioned, the, the geography of Idaho, it borders Washington State. Um, so it originally was part of Washington State, but then it became its own state. And there's another player in kind of keeping this Idaho word alive, uh, a guy by the name of Joaquin Miller, who wrote The Poet of the Sierras, where he spelled it Idaho, and he claimed that it meant the light or diadem on the line of the mountain, which is a little bit more of a highfalutin way of saying, what was the original one, Ben? The gem Gem. of the mountain? And keep in mind, these are mining concerns. That's right. Putting out this. That's that's, that's true. So I think at this point, the original kerfuffle with willing had been largely forgotten. And but the word, the name kind of lived on. Right. Yeah. And at this point, we do want to profile a little bit there. uh, There's some background, some context to willing's character that come into play here. Uh, Willings was involved in a number of frauds, one of the most notorious being something called the Arizona Peralta land grant fraud, in which he played a um, despicable part. He also was an associate of forgers. He was a guy similar to so many other con artists that we have talked about in past episodes. And You'll hear different alternating theories that he met a young girl named Ida, and that inspired the name, or that it actually is a corruption of a, a indigenous people's language, the Kiowa Apache term, Idahi, which meant enemy. That doesn't really measure up, in my opinion. That last one, I could see a state being named after a person that's happened before, but I can't see a state being named enemy. You want something a little more positive, right? You do. You do. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. 
You're absolutely right, Noel. Avala Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day. You're right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So now we know this battle that happened ultimately was a battle fought in the public sphere in terms of public opinion and public use of the phrase. And that's why the term Idaho was first used to refer to Idaho as a state instead of Idaho Springs or some other area in 1863. Williams went on to do some more shenanigans. Yeah, he sure did. And let's not forget, too, that at this point, um, a lot of lawmakers that had maybe had their uh, breaches in bunches about this in the first place were a little more preoccupied with the uh, the Civil War uh, than, than <laughs> quarreling about state names and made up Indian words, right? Right. And so that's kind of how it slid in under the radar because people were so worried about this burgeoning war between the states that they didn't really have time nor the inclination to worry about what they saw as a relatively benign concept like the the name Idaho. And so Idaho, just like a kind of a haagen stuck around, sounded close enough to the thing that it was purporting to be that more and more people began using it. And 
some of the same senators who remembered that last naming incident when they figured out that it was a made-up name were the same senators who were like, hey, we have to figure out the Civil War thing, so just just let it ride. Maybe we can fix it later. Maybe we can kick the can down the road and kick the can. They did because it is 2019 and Idaho is the state's name. It's not going to change anytime soon. No, it's true. And this is not even the most egregious example of a uh, naming fraud. Have you ever heard of Montpelier, Illinois? Oh, I have heard the name. What's the what's the skinny on that? Yeah, it turns out that uh, the name, and as Casey um, off mic just pointed out, it would be more properly pronounced Montpellier, um, was something of a practical joke. Um, Father Jacques Marquette uh, in 1673 um, encountered some members of the Peoria Indian tribe, and that was near the mouth of what would today be called the Des Moines River, um, and he asked them to give him the name of another tribe of rivals that lived further down the river. And the Peoria leadership told him that they were called the Moinguana, and that became the roots for Moin. But uh, Michael McCafferty of Indiana University um, discovered that in the uh, Miami, Illinois language, which is now no longer, it's a dead language, um, this actually would have been translated to faces. <laughs> and apparently um, nobody in Illinois government in the city of Des Moines has acknowledged that this is the case. But the research stands. Um, interesting stuff. So uh, I guess having a, a made-up name is maybe a little less embarrassing than having a name that translates to something so mm-hmm. you know, derogatory. That's a great point. And as, uh, as, as I'm sure many of us are thinking as we're listening to this episode right now, uh, most Actually, all words are made up. At some point, we all agreed, or various uh, factions of us throughout the human species agreed that uh, this word means this thing. You know what I mean? Like hand means that thing at the end of your arm. Shoe means that thing that goes over your foot. And Idaho is one of the 50 states of the United States of America. There you go. And that is our episode for today. How many states... Uh, how many states have we done now? I don't know. Are there any intrepid, ridiculous historians that want to do the tally and shoot us an email at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com? That'd be cool. We'd love to hear from you because otherwise, and I'll be completely honest with you here, folks, otherwise we'll get halfway through an episode and then realize that we have, in fact, already covered that state. It's okay. Whatever it takes to get the show out. As long as it's a good story, too. So thank you in advance for sending us that note. Uh, We want to hear the interesting stories of place names in your neck of the global woods. Uh, We'd also, of course, like to thank uh, super producer Casey Pegram. uh, And maybe, you know, maybe we could go for a road trip to Idaho one day. Let's do it. We'd also like to thank Alex Williams, who composed our theme, Gabe, our research associate, who hipped us to this topic. Um, You can check me out on Instagram at Embryonic Insider. You can find our show on Instagram as well on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, You can find your fellow listeners on our Facebook community page. That's Ridiculous Historians. And uh, if you want to hang out with me, see some pictures of weird adventures and... uh, my oversized cats you can find me at ben bullen on instagram we'll see you next time folks this episode of ridiculous history is brought to you by avalon waterways ben are you in major need of a vacation right now 
Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.